God loves family. You, even a cursory reading of Scripture from beginning to end will leave you with this impression that God loves family. After creating the world, everything, God gave it in stewardship to a family. We hear it was a man and a woman. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, cultivate it. And when things had gone wrong, and God said, hey, I'm going to destroy everything, we see him again giving stewardship to a family, the family of Noah. And when things went wrong again, and humanity united against God, we see him once again coming, calling a man who didn't have children, and giving him a promise that he was going to give him a family. And through his family, all the families of the world, all the clans of the world, all the tribes of the world would be blessed. And this was the story of Abraham. So it flows to the story of Israel and finally culminating in this global family we call the church. And it's not just a family that exists to love one another, but we are a family on a mission. And so it's wonderful to be sharing and, and sending out the Massinghams because there are still yet families in the world who are yet to hear this message of blessing. And it doesn't mean that we as one tribe say, hey, you guys go out there, do the stuff. No, we as a family here are on mission in this great city of Nairobi and beyond. But there was a time when this great family was almost split in two. We saw last week as we entered that there was a, a great controversy of what it meant or how you could be accepted into this family and how you would live your life as a member of this family. We saw how this community, this family, had grown predominantly from ethnic Jews or, or Israelites. And it had begun to include in greater numbers those of other families or other tribes of the world. And this had begun to create problems because the Jews or Israelites at that time had a process for bringing people into this great family of Abraham. And the process went something like this. All the males would get circumcised. Then you'd be baptized or washed in ceremonial washing. And then you'd commit to taking upon yourself the yoke of the law of Moses. And now rumors had begun to spread in the community that Paul and Barnabas, in their journeys out into the nations, had begun to say that, hey, to become part of this family, to become part of this community, all you need to do is believe in Jesus and get baptized. And so the rest of the Jews were wondering, what happened to circumcision? What happened to following the laws of Moses? And so we're going to jump in to our story again this morning. We'll start reading from Acts 15, verse 5. And may I suggest to you that if 
you and I were Jews from Jerusalem, we would have most likely 100% agreed with the believers who were Pharisees. Because these guys had the respect of the community. They, they had dedicated their lives to, to understanding what God required them to do. They dedicated their lives to living according to the strictest code. Showing how much they loved God and how they were devoted to him. And so when we, when we come into the story, I don't want us to come in thinking, hey, these are the, are the baddies. I want us to come in thinking, hey, we totally get you guys. We, we get where you're coming from. And that's exactly how things ought to be. So let's read from Acts 15, from verse 5. It should be up on the screen. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. We saw how Paul and Barnabas had gone to Jerusalem to solve this very problem and they'd been received with joy with the church and it seemed that they were there for some time but the Pharisee says, hey guys, we need to address the elephant in the room. The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Now before we get into Peter's address, I want us to see that this was a very difficult and delicate situation. There were no quick and easy answers. Far from being straightforward, it was complex and it required the whole council of the leaders, the apostles and the elders to get together and wrestle with this question. And may I suggest some of the difficult questions they had to answer. Firstly, had God changed his mind? It was God who said, you need to be circumcised. Had God changed his mind? How could it now be unnecessary? And perhaps the party of the Pharisees would have quoted this verse. In Numbers 23 verse 19 it says, God is not a man, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. It's written in black and white. How can he now change his mind on circumcision? Secondly, how can we allow people to set aside God's revealed will as spoken through the law of Moses? You see, the, the law of Moses wasn't something that was of human origin. This wasn't uh, something that they got together and thought, hey, let's craft a constitution. Why don't you bring your views? Why don't you bring your views? Let's, let's see how we can, we, we can make it together as a nation. No, God had handed it to them. This was God's revealed will. Psalm 19 verse 7 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. How can you now set aside part of God's perfect law? Thirdly, and very significantly, are the Jews or ethnic Israel no longer God's special people? You see, the whole story of the Old Testament, what was called the Law and the Prophets, pointed to the special relationship, what's called the covenant, 
between God and Israel. You and I now, when we kind of say, hey, I'm going to read the Bible, you start from Genesis and you're reading Exodus and reading all these things and like, oh, I like those promises and this sounds so good, but it wasn't meant for you. It was meant for Israel. God had a special relationship. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Snow, Luo, Kikuyu, Shona, Dutch included in that. So now, how could they diminish or dilute that special relationship by bringing in all these other people, these non-Jews, and not requiring them to live completely as Jews? How could these non-Jews suddenly become full members and, and, and partakers in the promises of God? These were the great questions that they wrestled with. Now, to, to understand how radical this is, you need to understand that at this time, the temple in Jerusalem was still standing. And I've got a, I should have a picture of the temple up. And the way the temple was, in fact, could I get just two people? Uh, can I get two volunteers? All you're going to do is you're going to sit just over here, close here. You can bring your chair, Cleve. I, need, I now need a woman. Sorry, Simba. Just, thanks, Mutheu. Okay, I'm going to need, you can also come and sit over here. And then I need five volunteers just to come and sit over here, just close to the door. If I can get five volunteers, take your chairs and just sit close to the door. Okay, I love it. This is a great mix. We've got South African, we've got British, we've got Rwandese. This is great. And here we've got the chosen. <laughs> so what we had, this is a picture of the temple. I hope everybody can see it. And so this building there, that's the building of the temple. And only the priests could get access into that inner courtyard. And they would serve in the temple. There were two, uh, two rooms. One was the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go into that room. And only once a year. And that to offer blood for his own sins. Otherwise, they would just serve around in that courtyard and in the holy place. And then you can't really see it over here. But this was called the court of the Israelites. And that was Israelite men. They could just come a little bit closer, but uh, they couldn't enter into the uh, courtyard. So that was the court of the Israelites. And there was a demarcation. This was the court of the women. And so the Israelite women could come as well closer, but not as close as the men, definitely not as close as the priest, and definitely, definitely not as close as the high priest. Right? And then what happened is that you would then go down five steps. Then there was a wall. Then you'd go down 14 steps. And then there was another wall that was one and a half meters high. And after that was the court of the Gentiles. And during Jesus' time, that is where you'd have the people changing money, the people selling stuff. And so even the Gentiles in their little room was crowded. And then on that wall around, 
that kept the Gentiles out were various signs in Greek and Latin. And basically what they said wasn't uh, trespasses will be, pros- uh, will be prosecuted, but trespasses will be executed. In fact, an excavation uh, like a hundred years ago found a sign that said any Gentile who crosses this wall or the, into this place will be responsible for their own death. So non-Jews, people like you and I, they could look up at the Israelites, they could look up at the temple, they could look up at the God of Israel, but they could never approach him. And the first point I just want to, to make is that you and I, we were all so desperately far from God. And we non-Jews must never forget how alienated and excluded we were. Hey guys. In fact, when you read in the book of Acts along, you're going to see Paul getting arrested. And the reason they almost killed him and arrested him was because they accused him of bringing a non-Jew into the temple area. And while Paul was in prison at that time, listen to some of the words that he wrote to non-Jewish believers in Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, therefore, remember. What he's saying, hey, I want you never to forget this. That at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, that is, you non-Jews, you, you, you Kenyans, you, you, you Lua, you, you Kisi, you uh, Kamba, uh, West Pokot, uh, Shona, Turkana, you Africans, you, you Europeans, you Asians, were called uncircumcision, the uncircumcision. And the New Living Translation says, uncircumcised heathen. And we all, this, this was derogatory, wasn't it? And we all know about having derogatory names. Remember, there was a time we Africans were called savage heathens, uncivilized heathens. And I'm sure there's no African who, who would read that in the history and think, wow, you know, that, that was great. It, it kind of leaves you with a, with a bitter taste in the mouth. But before we're quick, too quick to judge, we know that we've got names for other people, don't we? Those, you know, those, those Kamba, those, those Kikuyu, and those Lua. We, we've got names for other tribes. Those, those rednecks, those scousers. You see, humanity has been locked in this enmity and hostility. See, they were called the uncircumcised or the uncircumcised heathen by what is called the circumcision. And this is part of the big controversy in our story. But Paul says this is only made in the flesh by hands. And then he repeats, remember, saying, hey, this is very important, guys. One tribe, I want you to get this. That you were at that time that is before putting your faith in Jesus, you were separated 
from Christ. You see, the promise of an anointed redeemer and deliverer was not made to us. In fact, when you read of Jesus in the Gospels, when non-Jews came to him, there was this one lady says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. It says we, we were cut off. We were like refugees. We were not citizens. It, you didn't have the right documents to be among God's people. You, you had absolutely no rights. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. Say, hey, we were out of God's special relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we had no hope. That is, we, we had no idea of God's epic plan. And we were without God in the world. What Paul is saying is that our, stand, our understanding of God was so dim, it could be described as being without God. And just to stop here, I know there's a renaissance or renaissance of, of African spirituality. People are saying, hey, we, we used to approach God in our own way. We remember times when it wasn't raining. We went to the Mugumo tree. We did whatever our forefathers taught us to do. And the rains would come. We, now, when the white people came, they, they caused us to, to be derogatory about our culture and our own God. We want to return to those ways. We've got our own African spirituality. And we might not be African and you think, no, we, we've always had our way of doing things. I was raised Hindu. We've got our way of doing things. I was, I'm, 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 I'm a Muslim. This is how we approach God. But I, I want to warn you this morning that if you're going to return to the way of our forefathers and say, hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the Mugumo tree. I'm, I'm going back to the sacrifice of goats. Or if you're going to resist and say, I'm, I'm holding on to my, my, my Hindu culture, my, my identity, or, or I'm a Muslim and this is who I am. Well, Paul says, and these are the words of William Hendrickson, a, a commentator. He says, you're Christless stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Friends, we, 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 we cannot overestimate our position with God outside of Christ. In contrast, listen to what Paul himself, the apostle, the great apostle to the Gentiles, he says about the Jews or Israel in Romans 9, 4, 5. He says, they are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. Everything that we're sp speaking about, this fatherhood of God, it belonged to them. We were on the outside. God revealed his glory to them. He, he revealed his Shekinah glory. They saw him in the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire by night. When they built their tabernacle, their temple, fire came down. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them. What we're talking about circumcision and Abraham and, and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, these were covenants. Indissoluble relationships that God made with the Israelites. He gave them his law. There was no other nation with a law like the law of Israel. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. They could draw close to the temple. They were not walled out. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. And what Paul is saying is that when God chose to come and be a human being, he came as an Israelite. Wow, what great privileges. So of course the most natural thing is that if those guys want to cross over and come this side, hey, you need to be circumcised. And you need to keep the whole law of Moses. Yet God was doing something so profoundly unexpected that when Paul thinks and talks about it, he says this was a mystery that had not been revealed in the ages. So let's jump back into our story and listen to what Peter then has to say. Thank you for your patience. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He didn't discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So Peter stands up and he says, hey guys, remember what happened in Acts 10? Remember when you guys, when, when I went to Cornelius' house and in Acts 11, everyone was up and out saying, why did you go to that Gentile and eat with them? Remember what I told you? He says, it's, it's, it's not about being a Jew or a non-Jew. And I just want to enumerate what, what Peter says here. He says, hey, it's about hearing the gospel and believing in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Hey, it's, it's not about circumcision, which really couldn't do anything to your heart. But actually, it's about God purifying you on the inside. Hey, it's not about being marked by the law, but it's about God giving you his Holy Spirit. And finally, Peter says, all this can be summed up as being saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And it's interesting how Peter finishes. He says, They are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as we are. You see, it doesn't matter how far the, Jew, the non-Jews were or the Gentiles were from God, and it doesn't matter how close the Jews seemed to be. All of them were separated. From God. No one could enter the temple. All of them were on the outside looking in. 
And so Peter is saying, hey, we, we might feel superior because we, we've got the law, we've got our, our standard of morality, we've got all these amazing rituals that mark us out, we, we, we are descendants of Abraham according to the flesh, we, we know the whole story about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we're still on the outside looking in. In fact, the law has always shown us that we're on the outside. As long as the temple stood, as long as all those rituals were there, it was showing that we were separated from God. And so he's, he's asking them, why now would we want to, to put that, that, that yoke, that burden upon these non-Jews? When from generation to generation we have shown, or the law has shown us, that we're inadequate. And rather than saying we're accepted, it condemned us. And this is, this is what Jesus had said to a member, a teacher from the Jewish high council, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus had come to him, he had said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. He was saying, hey, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter what your, what your pedigree is as a teacher of the Israelites. It doesn't matter how hard you've tried to keep the law. You must be born again. And Nicodemus was saying, hey, you need this. You, you need your heart to be changed on the inside. You need God himself to, to perform this heart transplant in you. You need his Holy Spirit. You need to believe in the work that I'm going to do on the cross. Nothing less than that, Nicodemus can make you part of God's true community. You see, being born again is not something you do for God. It is something that God does inside of you. And when Peter talks about Cornelius, you see, what happened in that story is that while they were listening to Peter's message, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And the Jews were surprised. These guys didn't get a chance to say a prayer. These guys didn't get a chance to be baptized. Because God himself did the work inside of them. Being born again is not saying a prayer. Being born again is, is not being baptized in water. It's not going through a course. It's when God himself takes a hold of you on the inside and gives you a new heart. And so you, you might be listening to me and you might have had the privilege of being born in church. I don't mean like literally, but you spent your whole life in church. You, you were christened. You, you were dedicated. Right? The, the life who came and prayed over you as a baby. You were confirmed in the church. The priest or the pastor himself says, yeah, he's gone through the course. He understands everything. I confirm him. I've never been confirmed. I don't know how it works. Maybe you've been on the church membership roster all your life. You've worn a cross around your chest. You've listened to every sermon. And you say, hey, I've never even tasted alcohol. 
In fact, I've tried to live the Ten Commandments as best as I know how. In fact, everyone around me says, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm a good lady. But what Peter is saying is that none of that can save you. You need God himself to work in you. You need to be born of the Spirit. On the other hand, you may have had the reputation as that girl, that guy. You don't remember when you started drinking. You don't remember when you started smoking. I mean, you've, you've slept with so many people, you've lost count. You'd be like, hey, I never even knew there were Ten Commandments. And even if I did, I wouldn't have followed any of them. You don't remember the last time you prayed? You're not even sure whether you believe the Bible. And what Peter is saying, that none of that can keep you from being saved if you put your trust in Jesus. In fact, the tittle-telling, choir-singing, memory-verse-reciting church-goer and the binge-drinking, bang-smoking, bed-hopper are saved in the same way. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This brings me to the second point. It is only God himself who can bring us to himself. It is only God himself who can bring us to himself. Now, I can see that it's half past 11, so we're just going to go th quickly through the rest as I wrap up. So we see that Paul and Barnabas got up next in this story, not to debate, but simply to share what God had been doing through the preaching of the gospel of his grace through Jesus. And the whole assembly became silent. You could hear a pin drop. Maybe they began to understand that something that was going to shape the destiny of the church was happening right there. And they listened to Paul and Barnabas telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when Paul and Barnabas finished, James spoke up. James seems to have been a prominent leader among them. And he said, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from among the Gentiles. And verse 15 is critical because it shapes our understanding of the whole story and in fact the whole story of Scripture. Because James used a word in the Greek that previously the Jews would have only used for other Jews and not Gentiles. Listen to what the African Bible commentary says. We miss the tremendous significance of this statement if we do not recognize that the Greek term translated people was one that Jews used to refer to fellow Jews, but never Gentiles. And so God had begun to create a new people for himself. Guys, why don't you cross over? But I don't want you to cross over and come and sit here. I want you guys to cross over and come and sit. I don't know if we'll have enough space on stage together with me. Okay, maybe let's have one representative from the Jews and two representatives from the Gentiles. 
Let's hold a democratic election there and see what's... As James continues, this is what he says. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. And then James finishes by saying this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And if you're here and you're considering becoming part of the church, giving your life to Christ, I want you to know that God does not want to make it difficult for you to believe in His Son and for you to be saved. Now, as I finally wrap up, let's see how James finishes by bringing everything back to Scripture and showing that this was always God's plan. You know, for, for some people, they get offended by this idea that God had a chosen people. It says, hey, if God chose them in the first place, yeah, I've got no business turning to such a God. It's an offensive message. But James is saying, no, 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 no. It was always God's plan to use this family, this people, to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world. That was the big idea. And as he goes to this passage from Amos and talks about rebuilding the fallen tent of David, this, this can be seen as an allusion to the cross. That God would send this, this greater David, this descendant of David, Jesus, who said, when I am lifted up in John chapter 12, I will draw all men to myself. That in his death on that cross, through his blood, he, he came and he brought peace. Preaching peace to both those who are near and those who are far. And through his cross, the law and his commandments were nailed. That used to separate, not just Jew from Gentile, man from man, but man from God. And as he died, paid the price for our deliverance and redemption and rose again and poured out his Holy Spirit. He gave us access to the Father. That no longer should we just look up to him as God, but actually we can be his children. And God himself gives us the Holy Spirit that we can cry out, Abba, Dad! And know the depths of his love. And this is the final point. Only the cross of Christ can make us truly one tribe. It's only the cross of Christ that can demolish the walls of hostility that have stood between us for generations. And some thought, hey, let's, let's, let's have BBI. Surely this is what's going to bring peace to Kenya. Oh, no, let, let's have a handshake. Surely this is what we need in our nation. 
said, no, no, no. Let, let's have political coalitions. This is what's going to bring peace, love, and unity to Kenya. Scripture is teaching us that it's not BBI, it's not handshakes, it's not coalitions, but it's only the cross of Christ that can take Turkana, West Pocket, and make them one. You see, the law can stop us from killing each other, which is good, but the law can never make us love one another. It's only a different, a new heart and the spirit of Christ working within us. And so, as I close, Paul is still exhorting us to remember our alienation and exclusion. He's still calling you and I to remember how far we were from God. That we might see more clearly the wonder and the beauty of his grace in bringing us close. Friends, it's only through the cross that we're fully integrated and accepted as members of God's community. And one tribe, we can only fulfill the aspiration of our name when we see how radically God has accepted us. That's only when we can accept one another. That's when we can see our church truly united in diversity, truly united in affection and love for one another. Despite our differences. You see, we don't have to become the same. Say, hey, how, how can we get along in church? Well, everybody has to be the same. We all have to wear the same clothes. We all have to speak the same language. We all have to like the same food. No. We all have to have the same new heart and the same Holy Spirit. And I just want to invite us to stand as we close. Why don't we clap uh, for our Jews and Gentiles? Well done, guys, for being reconciled. I know it was tough. Maybe we could have the band come up. I believe that this message speaks to us in, in two very real ways. There's this call for you to come into actual living relationship and acceptance with God. What scripture calls being reconciled to God. This is what the cross does. It's not through you changing your life. It's not through you changing your habits. It's not through you presenting your certificate of good standing before God. But actually, it's through you putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. And scripture says today is the day of salvation. Because he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. And so I, I don't speak on my own authority. This message of reconciliation, 
This is not a call that's coming out from Cephas. This is not a call that's coming out from one tribe church. This is a call that is coming from the God and the creator of the universe. And he's saying, be reconciled with me. And if that's you this morning, I just, I just want to invite you. Why don't you open your heart to God? Why don't you respond to him in prayer? Why don't you say to him, yes, I, I put my trust in your son and in his grace and nothing else. And today I'm coming home. You know, I've, I've had the privilege of, of going to Israel and they've got this, what is called the right of return. And basically that says any Jew anywhere in the world has got a right of citizenship to Israel. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life. It doesn't matter whether you're stepping out of prison. If you are a Jew, you've got the right of return. And when you get back, when you get into the airport, there's a big sign that says, welcome home. And friends, if that's you this morning, God is giving you the right of return. There's a big sign that says, hey, welcome home. There's a big party in heaven because Jesus has done the work for you to be able to come home. And so if that's you, I would love for you to come and speak to me or to speak to one of the elders after the meeting because we want to be part of that welcoming party and welcoming you back home to a loving father. Secondly, I want us to respond by reflecting on what it means for us to be reconciled. Friends, you and I, we, we all have prejudices. You and I, we've, we, we've all got that picture of who that uncircumcised is. We, we've spoken about when we're with like-minded people, we've thought it in our hearts, and these are still dividing walls of hostility within our church. And I want to just give you a moment right now just for the Holy Spirit to, to work and to speak into your heart. Why don't you just ask him, Lord, would you show me my own prejudices? Lord, would you show me the dividing walls of hostility that I still have? And I really believe that there's some here that God wants to have a breakthrough in your life and it's going to be a breakthrough of forgiveness. You've held on to bitterness there are things that were done to you or your family or your people group and you've held on to it. And you said, no, it was, it was those people. And I, we, we can never relate with those people. We can never forgive them. And the Lord wants to release you from that because you're imprisoning yourself by holding on to that bitterness. You're preventing yourself from moving forward and growing to be a loving and joyful person. And the Lord is saying, hey, it's time to put it down. It's time to know peace because Jesus paid for it all.